Okay, so if you have your Bibles, why don't you grab them? We'll be in Proverbs again for one of the final times in the series anyway. Uh, man, the summer is almost over. We have one more sermon in Proverbs, Lord willing, and that'll be next week. And then we're going to get back to our regular series, which is in Matthew, and we pick it right up in Matthew 6. Um, crazy how fast time flies, and I know we say that all the time, so much so that's a cliche, but I think one thing that that screaming fast time flying by ought to do for us that ought to help us to realize how quickly life goes by and how much of a vapor our lives are so that we might seize the day, you know, and not let a day go by without making it count uh, for eternity. So we're going to be in Matthew, I mean, I'm sorry, Proverbs 27. And the text is really the whole thing. Um, Again, Proverbs is different. You've, you've, um, you, if you've been to any of this series, you know that we've had to g- grab the highlights of Proverbs to try to really understand it. But I'm going to read all of chapter 27. And what I'd like you to do is, or all the way to 22 rather, uh, I'd like you to listen for the comments about friendship that you see in Proverbs 27. So as I read it, there's, you're going to miss some because some of them are, you have to give us some thought, but uh, think about what this proverb is saying about friendship as I read it, as, as we read it together. So the word of God, it says, do not boast about tomorrow for you do not know what a day may bring. Let another praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. A stone is heavy And sand is weighty, but a fool's provocation is heavier than both. Wrath is cruel, anger is overwhelming, but who can stand before jealousy? Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. One who is full loathes honey, but to the one who is hungry everything bitter is sweet. Like a bird that strays from its nest is a man who strays from his home, Oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Do not forsake your friend or your father and your father's friend, and do not go to your brother's house in the day of calamity. Better is a neighbor who is near than a brother who is far away. Be wise, my son, and make my heart glad. May I answer him who reproaches me. The prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. Take a man's garment when he has put up security for a stranger and hold it in pledge when he puts up security for an adulteress. Whoever blesses his neighbor with a loud voice rising early in the morning will be counted as cursing. A, continually, a continual dripping on a rainy day and a quarrelsome wife are alike. To restrain her is to restrain the wind or to grasp oil in one's right hand. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Whoever tends a fig tree will eat its fruit, and whoever guards the master will be honored. As in water, face reflects face, so the heart of man reflects the man. Sheol and Abaddon are never satisfied, and never satisfied are the eyes of man. The crucible is for silver, the furnace for gold, and a man is tested by his praise. Crush a fool and a mortar with a pestle. Along with crushed grain, yet his folly will not depart from him. Let's pray again. 
It is our desire, Father, that you be known. It's our desire that the world would know that we're your disciples, that we follow you, that we love you. And Lord, we know that means that we must demonstrate that by our love for one another. I pray, Father, as we go through this, that this, this cord of friendship will, will be valued and precious to us. And we wouldn't fall back to our hermit ways or our hide behind our comfort zone or our thoughts of our social inadequacies, but that we would, we would seek with all of our hearts to be true friends to one another, to cultivate deep, blood-bought friendships. I pray that your gospel would be clear through all of this, that we would see that we have a true friend, and his name is Jesus, and that that friendship ought to blow up into many friendships among those who name the name. And Lord, I, we pray together here in one accord for those who are hurting. We pray for the Kit family. Continue to lift them up. Lord, would you show your blessing on them and show your kindness and as they mourn and grieve. We pray for Toby and his family as they mourn and grieve. Lord, we want to weep with those who weep. So we pray for them. We pray for others who are struggling we might not even know about. Pray that you would reach into their lives and comfort them with only the comfort that only you can give. And I pray for your help this morning. I know I am not worthy to stand here in this place and do this, Lord. And I, I am not sufficient. And I stand here only, only on the basis of Christ and only with the assurance of the sufficiency of your word. So I pray, Father, that you would speak and we, your servants, would listen. In Jesus' name, amen. C.S. Lewis, in his famous essay on friendship, it's in the book called The Four Loves. If you haven't read that, it's really worth reading. But he said that few value friendship, few people value friendship because few people experience it. And I think that's really true. From my observation, I think few experience deep, meaningful friendships. I think that's certainly true of people in the world, but it's also true of people in the church. It's true of old people and young people. It's true of men and women. It's true of those who are married and those who are not married. Few experience friendship. I think deep down we all want that. We all want meaningful friendships. We desire that. But few of us cultivate friendships, and so few of us truly value friendship. I hope to demonstrate this morning that it is only by God's grace to us in Christ that we can experience friendship to its fullness. The world has its idea of friends, friendships. You, 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 you could have had deep, meaningful friendships before you were a believer. It, there, there, there is a, I, I don't think it's all like, I think friendship in the world can be genuine, real. Uh, so I'm not calling it 
fake or anything like that. But if friendship were coffee, then the friendship of the world would be that really weak stuff that you get at the gas station. Do you know what I mean? And if you like that, let's just pray. (laughs) Really watered down, really without strength, without power. The full strength version of friendship is only found in Christ. I believe our lack of friendship, this is a sweeping statement, but I think it's true. I've given it a lot of thought. I think our lack of friendships is a spiritual problem, not a relational one primarily. Our lack of friendship is not merely owing to the fact that we are socially awkward or weird. That's the excuse I hear all the time for why we don't cultivate deep friendships. I'm socially awkward. The reality is that we're all a little weird, right? And you know why? It's because we all grew up in a broken world. Your parents are a little weird. We're all a little weird. We can't use that as an excuse. You know why? Because of the wonderful news that Christ has redeemed us by his blood. He has made all things new. He has transformed us, and I believe that means that we can experience full-strength friendships the way that God has designed it, even if we're socially awkward, even though we're socially awkward. And we can do that through the Spirit. Our lack of friendships, and I hope I demonstrate this well this morning, our lack of friendship is a spiritual problem and not merely a relational one. Friendship comes to us from God. That's where friendships come from. Friendship itself, the concept, comes from God. God's design. In fact, it is God who reached out to us first in friendship. Through Christ, we who were formerly God's enemies are reconciled. That's a relational term. We are reconciled to God. Enemies made friends. We are friends with God because of Jesus Christ. It's true of everyone who is trusting in Christ alone by faith today. And God has designed us to be a community who experienced that kind of relationship with one another. A community of followers who genuinely love and care for one another. A community of friends. Blood-bought, self-sacrificing, humble, other-centered, spirit-empowered, Friends, my plan this morning is to pan this proverb for nuggets of gold on friendship, teaching on friendship. And I think there's two kinds of nuggets in this proverb, two different kinds of nuggets that you're going to find. There is real friendship gold, the positive truth that the proverb teaches us, this proverb teaches us about friendship. And then there is fool's friendship gold if you know what I mean. Truths that expose a fake friend, a a false friend. And so maybe it'd be helpful to highlight four nuggets of each. Four things we learn from this proverb and some other scriptures that we'll bring in about a false friend and then four truths that we will learn about being a friend. And may the Lord this morning help us to form better, a better understanding of friendships, a friendship and a real desire to cultivate friendships to be good friends to one another and to be thankful to God for his gift of friendship as we identify it, to see both being friends and having friends as a spiritual matter.
So let's start with the fool's gold, the false friends. What are four traits that we can see here about false friends? First, a false friend kisses profusely. Look at verse six. It says, the, the kiss, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. I think that verse should really make us ponder and really think. Naturally, we would think of enemies as those who wound us, right? Like enemies are the ones who wound us. Friends are the ones who kiss us. But life is not, that's how we naturally think, but life is not always how we naturally think. Friends often wound, and we're going to get to that in a moment and what that means, and enemies profusely kiss, but they don't have good intentions behind those kisses. It's flattery. I think it's, an, it's, 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 he's referencing flattery or deceptive double tongue speech. Flattery is when we say something seemingly kind, right? Seems kind, seems good, seems positive. But we say it motivated by something that we want to gain. That's flattery. We say something like a compliment to somebody else, but our intent behind that, and this is what makes it flattery, our intent behind that is something we want to gain, something we want some, some advantage for us. Flattery is not intended to actually help the hearer. It is manipulative. It is calculated. The flatterer is always trying to help himself, not the one he's speaking to. And I don't know about you, but I can be susceptible to flattery. It's, it appeals to my pride to be praised, my desire, my, my dis- sinful desire to be liked and praised. I love to be complimented. So a false friend can come in without having any good motive at all and say really kind things to me, compliments, and it might soften me up to them. I might think that they're on my side, as it were, but they're not on my side. Proverbs 29.5 says, a man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet. And I think that means that the words that he says and the intent behind it neither benefit the man. Instead, they trip him. And Proverbs 26.28 says, a flattering mouth works ruin. It's real strong. A flatterer is not on your side. But don't worry. I, I know you would probably spot flattery a mile away. You are a sophisticated, smart, intelligent. You're not like all the other Christians I talk to. You know what I mean? You guys really get it. So you would spot flattery a mile away. <laughs> Beware, friends, of those who come and charm that way. That was, that was flattery, by the way. <laughs> They might not have genuine friendship as their motive. Now, how do you discern between genuine encouragement, which I think we all need, right? We all need that. We need, we need, we need kindness. We need friends who will say good things. I'm going to get to that in a little while. But how do we know the difference between that and flattery? Maybe we should ask a few questions. Is what they are saying true? There's one question to ask. Now, immediately, you're going to want to think it's true, right? It's flattery. Is it helpful? Is it sincere? Is it calculated? Does it just make me feel good about myself or does it help me see things as they really are? Good questions to ask. 
Because it might be genuine encouragement. It might be meant as genuine encouragement. I'm not saying we should be suspect of all kind words spoken to us. We need to be kind to one another and say kind things and hear kind things. But flattery has no place among us. It is a mark of false friendship. And if you're like me, you're susceptible to it. So beware the profuse kisses of an enemy. The second mark of false friendship is jealousy. Look at the end of verse four. Who can stand before jealousy? Now that's, I don't think that's just a statement about how horrible jealousy is, although it is that, and how powerful it is as an emotion. I think it's also part and parcel of what it means to see true friendship. You know, jealousy has a proper place. It really does. It's not all sinful. It's a very narrow place, but it has a proper place. Jealousy is not always sinful. God is a jealous God, right? He is jealous for the affection of his people. And you know why that is profoundly good? It is good because God has the exclusive right to our highest affection. And so when we give our highest affection to something else, like an idol or person or money, God is jealous. And that that jealousy is hot. And I want to say this really carefully because there's so much abuse in this area. But I'll just say it. Hear me carefully. It would not be wrong for me necessarily to be jealous. It would not be wrong, for example, to be jealous of my wife's romantic affections. Because in the covenant of marriage, a wife's romantic affections are meant for her husband exclusively. And vice versa. So there's a narrow context where jealousy would be right and even a godly response, a godlike response to something. Still, most of jealousy that we experience as humans is sinful. Most of it. Most of the time, we're jealous for something we have no exclusive right to, and that's the difference. The affections and time of a friend are not exclusively ours. And if we find ourselves jealous because our friend is spending time with someone else and not us, I think that's a warning sign. That's a red flag. It's a a warning that my friendship to that person is not as genuine as it needs to be. There's something selfish there. Buzzword for the sermon. Something selfish there. A false friend is a jealous friend. A genuine friend rejoices that their friends have other friends. They have that person's good in mind. Jealousy only, in this sense, only has my interests in view. If I'm jealous, it has my interests in view. That person is not my person. Because friendship isn't about me. I can begin to think of people as my people. You're not God. They're not yours. So that's second. Third, the blessings of a false friend are really curses. Look with me at verse 14. Whoever blesses his neighbor with a loud voice rising early in the morning will be counted as cursing. Now let's give that some thought together, shall we? This is not just saying that those of us who are chipper in the morning are terrible people. That might be true, and I might have heard this verse quoted to me once or twice in my life, because I'm a chipper guy in the morning, first thing. 
But I think this truth run, runs much deeper than that. I, I think the point of this is that the aim of that blessing is not genuinely the good of the person you're saying you want to bless. I'm doing it on my own for my own reasons. And the timing and the tone betray that, right? It's not the best timing for them, but I don't care. It's not, it's, it's, you know, they don't like it right then, early in the morning. I don't care. I'm going to bless them. Under the guise of blessing, the friend shows us by his timing and tone, maybe his volume, he doesn't really have the best interest of his neighbors at heart. He has something to say. He wants to say it. He doesn't care how you take it, when you need it, how it affects you, how it lands, when it lands. He calls it a blessing, but it is in fact a curse. A false friend shows his hand by not caring what's best for you. I, I, do you see kind of a common thread here what this proverb is exposing? There, there is a common mineral in all of these nuggets. The false friend is doing things and saying things for selfish reasons and not because he loves others. And that's fool's gold when it comes to relationship. It's not true friendship. And I don't know about you, but I find myself on both sides of that coin. I can be a false friend. And I can see by this false friends around me. I, I, we shouldn't just read this and figure out how other people do it wrong. That's what I'm saying. Read deeper. This teaches us how to evaluate our own behavior in friendships. Am I a flatterer? Saying things I don't really mean to win people. Am I jealous? Do I care if my blessings are really blessings? The, the final mark of a false friend I can see in verse 8, and maybe by implication, verse 10. A false friend is unfaithful. In verse 8, I think it's talking about the closest human relationship, marriage, the closest friendship, marriage. It says, like a bird that strays from his nest is a man who strays from his home. Implication, he's not faithful. And the implication of verse 10 is that a genuine friends don't forsake genuine friends, not even in the day of calamity. Friends are there for one another. A mark of fool's gold in friendship is unfaithfulness. Maybe things have gotten really hard. Maybe you've become close enough that you can see that that person is not all glitter and glamour, but they're a real person with real faults, like, say, you. And it's easier to just go. You know, like when it gets that way, it's easier not to stay, not to be the friend who stays. But true friends are faithful. You know what a true friend is? A true friend is one who knows you as you really are and is still there for you. That's a true friend. A false friend is there until it gets inconvenient for them. Or your friendship becomes less attractive to them for whatever reason. When self is at the heart of friendship, faithfulness is fickle. A false friend is unfaithful. So those are four marks of fool's gold when it comes to friendships. A false friend is a flatterer. A false friend is jealous. A false friend is, his blessings are often curses. A false friend is unfaithful. Now let's consider what a genuine friend looks like. Let's think of Let's think through four marks of genuine gold when it comes to friendship. Genuine gold. First, a genuine friend praises his friends and not himself. Look at verse two. Let another praise you and not your own mouth. Now I want to make two 
points about this. One point indirect to the main thought of that verse, and then one direct. The indirect point I want to make is that this, this is different than flattery. This must be different from flattery. And I know that because Proverbs warns us about accepting flattery all over, like five times. So here it says, let the lips of another praise you. So this is genuine encouragement. You, you see something virtuous in someone else, something that's worthy of comment, and you'll make that comment because you desire to see them encouraged in the Lord. It's different from flattery. You're not out to gain. You're not calculating. You want to encourage. There's no hidden agenda, no calculation, nothing selfish. You just see God at work in someone. And that is pleasing, right? That's beautiful. And you want them to know that. It's kind of in the spirit of Hebrews 10, 24 through 25, which says, let us consider how to stir. Let us consider. If you want to calculate, that's how to calculate. Let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. It's not flattery, it's encouragement. To let the lips of another praise you. That's my indirect comment. My direct to the intent of this passage comment is that if your lips praise yourself, you have no room for genuine friends. If you, if you can't see beyond your own nose, you can't see your friend. Muhammad Ali was famous not only for his amazing boxing abilities, but for his antics. Or maybe he was, maybe he was famous for his boxing and infamous for his antics. He would regularly say things unashamedly like, I am the greatest. That's not the lingo of friends. That's not the lingo of friendships. I'm going to venture. I don't know him that well. I didn't know him that well. I never met him. Uh, But I'm just going to venture that that didn't really advance any of his friendships. That kind of language. Those kind of statements. You can't make or grow friendships if you can't see the other person. If all you can see is yourself. Again, it's selfishness that kills friendship. True praise and encouragement of others is a mark of genuine friendship. The second mark of genuine friends is that he's willing to wound you for his good. It's kind of the other side of that. He's willing to praise, right? He's willing to say things that need to be said, but he's also willing to wound. Look at verse six. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. One of my children, when they were small, fell and cut their head pretty badly. I I took her to the hospital and when it came time for treatment, the nurses were having a difficult time subduing the child so that they could do the treatment. I think it was stitches that they needed to do. Shots for to numb whatever, I don't know. But those hurt, right? And so a kid, you could just imagine, I don't want that. Um, I'm afraid of that. I think that's going to hurt. And so the doctor said, listen, I only have a few minutes before I have to be somewhere else so I can do this treatment now. The nurses can't hold your child down. Why don't you hold your child down and we'll just do this. It's now or never. Looked at the eyes of my kid. It's like, don't do that, dad. But I did it. And I did it and it hurt a little bit, right? It hurt. The stitches hurt a little bit, stung. But it was for her good. Do you see? It was for her good. It was wounding For her good. It was faithful wounding. If I genuinely have your good in mind, and if you're my friend, 
then there could be times where I must, if I'm going to be a, a faithful friend, I must say something that'll hurt but for your good and vice versa. A true friend is willing to wound for the good of their friend. That's huge. The world thinks friendship means you only say nice things. You only say the things that the person wants to hear. But that's not true friendship, right? That's not true friendship. You need friends in your life who love you enough to tell you you can't sing. If, if you can't sing, <laughs> It's not helpful to go through life not knowing that. (laughs) Trust me. You need friends in your life who are willing to say that path is wrong. That's not the right way. That attitude is sinful. You're not seeing things rightly. A true friend is willing to risk friction, right? Iron sharpening iron, you know how it does that? Friction. He's willing to risk friction because he loves you. That's a true friend. A true friend wounds. Third, a true friend is faithful. Look again at verse 10. So it says, do not forsake your friend and your father's friend and do not go to your brother's house in the day of of your calamity. When it says your father's friend, I think like you think about why do you say that? Your father's friend. Maybe, maybe he had in mind the duration of friendship, that it ought to be long. Like, not even like limited to the generation. It doesn't even end necessarily with the generation. The friend of the family who is dear to your father ought not to be forsaken by you because genuine friendship is longstanding. A friend is near. You don't go to your brother's house on the day of your calamity because you're, maybe your brother already has his own life in another city. Go to your neighbor. Go to your friend. Go to the one who is part of your life now. And if they're faithful, they're there for you. A friend is near and friendships are longstanding. A genuine friend is faithful. This week I heard someone was someone talking about their young child who's about to have a birthday and uh, the, 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 the kid was talking about who they wanted to invite to their birthday party. They mentioned a few peers, right? A few kids their age and then several of the parents' friends. A toddler or a young child wanting to invite people their parents' age to their birthday party. <laughs> That's true friendship. <laughs> they can see who the true friends are in their lives. You know, we've got to, we've got to hear me on this, especially young people, but hear me, everybody. We have to stop treating friends like we treat like a nice set of clothes, you know, wear it when it's fashionable, wear it when everyone else is wearing it, wearing it when it's comfortable and then throwing it away when it's not going to the thrift store, dashing it off to somebody else when it's not my thing anymore. It's okay to do with clothes, not okay to do with friends. I wish I knew that earlier in my life. A true friend is part of your life in a real and long-standing way. We need to be people who cultivate near, long-standing friends. We need to be that kind of friend to others. A true friend is faithful. Finally, a true friend is earnest. Look at verse 9. Oil and perfume make the heart glad. And the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. 
I would be a friend like that, right? Your earnestness in the way you counsel is sweetness, sweetness to your friend. You have their interests in mind. You love them. You're not in this just for yourself. You're not calculating. You are earnest, and it comes out even in the sweetness of your counsel. Earnestness. So let me just summarize where we've gone so far and then make two kind of wrap-up points so that we can see how spiritual all of this really is, okay? False friends flatter. They say things that you want to hear, but things that are not good for you to hear. A genuine friend praises and encourages. He's, he says the appropriate things, the appropriate times to really help you. False friends are jealous. The relationship is, when the relationship is for me, not for you, other friends are a threat to me. Genuine friends love that you have genuine friends. False friends, their blessings are actually curses because they aren't really interested in how to actually bless you. Things like timing and tone betray their motive. A false friend is in it for himself. False friends are unfaithful. When your friendship no longer does it for him, or when friendship becomes hard, he is gone. True friends, on the other hand, are faithful. Genuine friends want to be a part of your life for real and for the long haul. They will not see warts and bug out. They're true friends who know you as you really are and are still there for you. They might wound. They might openly rebuke. They might risk friction, but you know they have your best interest in mind. They love you. True friends are willing to risk friction for you. And above all, true friends are earnest. They really do love you. There is nothing calculated and nothing manipulative. Now let's bring to the foreground two gigantic spiritual realities so that we can realize the truth of biblical friendship in our lives. The two gigantic spiritual realities are that Jesus is the true friend. And true friendship comes through Jesus. You want a friend who's true? You want one that's near? You want one that's faithful and earnest? You want one that has your best interest in mind? Oh, you have one. I have such good news for you. If you are in Christ, you have that friend. His name is Jesus. He is the true friend. Listen to John, the Gospel of John, 15, 12 through 17. And I want you to note here about this passage, how he ties together his love for his friends and their love that ought to come out of that. This is my commandment that you love one another. This is John 15, 12. This is my commandment that you love one another as I as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends, if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you that you will love one another. Jesus is the true friend. He laid down his life for you. 
He is near, he is faithful, he is true, he is earnest. And through Jesus, true friendship is realized with one another. Our love for one another, according to this passage, springs up from our friendship with Christ. His great love for us is the source. As I have loved you, you love one another. You know what all the marks of false friendship have in common? And there's more than I just mentioned, more than those four. You know what they all have in common? Sin. Selfish desire, jealousy, falsehood, hypocrisy, pride, sin. You know what kills all your relationships? It's sin. Sin is the spiritual problem that, kill, that kills friendship. And I think that fear of friendship is rooted in the fact that we are sinners and we are afraid that sin is going to kill our relationships. So we stay back to not be vulnerable. But you know what I see in the marks of genuine friend, friendship? Like real friendship? They all flow up from things like the fruit of the Spirit. I mean, friendship, think of friendship in the words of uh, in the, uh, the, the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. None of those things get in the way of friends. None of them wreck friendships. None of them create drama. None of them sour you to your friend. True friendships are a spiritual reality flowing up from the love of Christ for us and enabled and empowered by God's spirit in us. That's why the world drinks watered down coffee friendship. They can't know real friendship, but we can, friends. We can. By God's grace. I think we have a lot to consider. What kind of friend are you to others? How do you value and cultivate friendship in your life? I think we ought to let the scriptures shape us here, shape our church. We ought to have the deepest friendships in the world right here. Long-standing, near, faithful, earnest, loving friendships. Jesus came to be the true friend. In Christ, we have been brought into friendship with God forever. That's the gospel. The gospel is about friendship. God making friends with his enemies, his former enemies. Christ has reconciled human friendship. We're all a little weird. You are all a little weird. <laughs> That's not flattery. <laughs> and we all come from different places and backgrounds. We're, we all like different things. We all, you know what we have in common? His name is Jesus. Maybe the Lord has brought you here this morning so that you might hear him on this. So you might genuinely hear him and reflect on your relationships. Maybe God wants to reconcile your broken relationships by his grace and restore your love for others and spur you to love and good works through others and to others. And you might think, you might hear all that and think, yeah, but I don't really have any friends, Mike. What do I do with that? 
Oh man, my encouragement is for you to be that kind of friend. Let the chips fall as they may. Be that kind of friend. I don't know, maybe the Lord has brought us through Proverbs for this so that we might love one another and experience the kinds of friendships that the world can only know dimly. We can know them because of Jesus. Let's pray, and then we are going to celebrate our friendship with the Lord through his grace and his mercy as we partake of the Lord's Supper. Father, I pray that you would bring to mind broken relationships in this room. I pray that people would, 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 would be aware of them and desire to f- restore them. Lord, I, I pray that you would give us boldness and courage to love boldly and courageously, not be shackled by our own insecurities and fears, but free to love one another, free to love one another, free to cultivate the kind of friendships that we can only have in you. I pray that you would work for your name's sake among us. May we be a church full of deep, real, way beyond the smiles, friends. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.